Hey, alright. And welcome. Better yet, I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better yet, is a conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Dustin Hayes of Walter, etc. Dustin and I talked back in fall of 2017. And since then, we've had two Walter, etc. Records, dark comedy, performance piece of my life last year. And there, there, just a couple, two, three weeks ago, much to discuss. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Nomdi for our intro music, Marcus Nuccio for our graphics. Each week, you can see all those on our website, betteryetpod.com. Invite you all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Sending a whole lot of love to San Jose today, friends. I've felt a lot of fortune the past few years becoming friends with people like Mike Huguenor and Bob Vialma. I'm going to pull Aaron and Lauren Records into that list, too, as a Shinobu associate thinking of my homies this week. And hey, we missed you all last week. I did not post a new episode. I was feeling just a little overwhelmed. So we took a week off here, got a good reset, and an eventful one. Jay and I had visitors this week. Julia and Dave of Rap Boys came out to the house. I showed them the backyard. We hung out. And Julia and I uh, sat down and had a conversation that will be airing next week for the five-year anniversary episode of better yet i can't wait to share that with alia julia's legend first ballot hall of famer on this podcast i'm still glowing from that talk first podcast episode that i've recorded with the person i'm talking to in the same room as me in some time i Listen back, and I, I just listened to the room, the room that I'm in right now. Uh, if you're wondering why it's so reverby in here, but I don't feel like moving the microphone. I like it here. So I'm excited to, to share that with you. And speaking of podcasts, the first ever podcast is a podcast hosted by our friend Jeremy Bolm of Touche Amore. He's a friend here on As You Were I Have. Uh, pretend beef with him. I'm not sure that he knows about that, but Jeremy hosts a great podcast called The First Ever Podcast, where he talks with a different artist each week about their first experience with their art form. He's talked to folks like Julian Baker, Alexis Marshall, Pat Kinlan, and I'm excited to let y'all know that I'm taking over the editing for that pod. So go listen to my slick transitions and even-handed use of compression wherever you get your podcasts. Jeremy had Ned Russett from Title Fight and Glitterer on this week. He, uh, Ned's got a novel out, which sounds really good. It sounds even better with the EQing I did on his track. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast, where patrons are receiving copies of my first ever zine. I'm so proud of this thing. It's got a beautiful cover photo that Jay took of our magnolia tree full bloom there are a few pages of prose this is not exactly music-centered writing though we do make reference to the octave 
but it's creative nonfiction about Joan of Arc and binaries, some philosophy that I've been reading thrown in there too. Uh, I did some collages. There are a couple poems in there. I'm very proud of it. You can sign up on our Patreon for a copy. You can also sign up to hear an exclusive bit of content from Dustin slash Walter, a cover of my favorite Guided by Voices song that Dustin fittingly recorded onto a tape recorder. Do I say what song? The evidence is out there. I want my favorite Guided by Voices song. It's Jar of Cardinals. It's a beautiful cover. We've got a lot of beautiful covers over there. Patreon.com slash Podcast. All right. My guest this week is Dustin Hayes of Walter, etc. I talked to Dustin for the first time in fall of 2017 in an eventful conversation, as you are soon to learn, and a really, really fun one. I've always been a huge fan of the way Dustin has progressed as a songwriter and the way the Walter band has progressed sonically and as a sort of meta-modern story of Walter the character, Dustin the writer and singer, a balance which became very interesting for Dustin with the making of Dark Comedy Performance Piece of My Life, a record that was released on March 27th, 2020. That record, even in the haze of that time, I remember vividly hearing for the first time, and this month, they did it again, baby, with a record called They're There, which has a beautiful naturalist contrast to dark comedy performance piece of my life. There There was recorded by the band in a little townhouse out in San Bernardino. Less electricity on the record, but it's got a vibe, and Dustin's writing shifts into a territory that's inspired more, I'd say, by the surrounding green the surrounding nature still comes off kind of vague it's like when the Coen brothers followed the big lebowski with oh brother where art thou how's that instead of the man and me by bob it's allison krauss and julian Lopes singing i'll fly away that's actually a pretty good comparison you know good at this thing Dustin, also a great human and a lovely conversation. So let's get to that. Be sure to subscribe to the pod. We will be back next week for a five-year anniversary episode with Julius Steiner. Looking forward to that. For now, here's me and Dustin Hayes. Had a nice thought on the short jack, leaving camps, cottage in Ohio. The Instagram of a dead friend at a red light Trying to convince myself this is real Is the cop car behind me My expired registration And these little felony tablets That crushed and empty Cans of Modelo But I'm saved by the hell Of a darker-skinned man Cursing at himself on the curb slouching I got told, hit the road, Jack We're through and I was like, oh, did not see that coming. Oh. I think you met you met her I did. that night. Right, right. And remind me, was the show the night before we did the interview? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that mo- that next morning, you got dumped. I got dumped. Right before I came over. Hours before. Oh, my gosh. 
I had no idea. I had no idea. I was probably so nervous I did not pick up on your vibe at all. I kept it together. Oh my gosh. But that's that's a good re- that's one of many reasons that I really wanted to throw that Laura Stevenson version of Jesus etc on while you were over was not only to show you but to be like <laughs> <laughs> to heal your soul. But it continues because yesterday I bought a little print that you made, a little painting that you made, one of your watercolors. I saw that. Bought one of your prints on making new enemies, making new enemies.limitedrun.com. And uh, I got that for the home that I share with the person who dumps me that night. We got we reconciled. Oh, and, uh, oh so it's your same partner now? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Tim, you've been through a lot. Oh, man. That's an awesome story. And now you have a new home together. Yeah. That's so cool. I made sure she was cool with me sharing that. Yeah. Well, I can say, one, thank you so much for not canceling on me <laughs> that morning because <laughs> cause that interview, I remember, went really well. And I got a ton of really good compliments from people in my life after they listened to it. Uh, not only complimenting me, but your end of the interview, too. And also, what... What uh, a test to your character as a person to do the interview, not even bat an eye and like hold it together. I guess it's called professionalism, maybe. I don't know, but that's <laughs> that's really awesome. I thought highly of you before this, and now I think a little higher of you. Oh, jeez. All right. All right. You're making me sweat over here. Uh, nothing, nothing does better on this podcast than giving me a compliment. <laughs> you know that. You know that. So, so how how have you been since uh, since I saw you last? You you've gotten into guided by voices. That's pretty huge. It's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, they're treating you right. They're treating me so well. Yeah, I was a uh, a casual fan before, just knowing you know the the big songs and B thousand and Alien Lanes, and then something happened, and I just started to dive in deep. And here here we are, emailing back and forth, which led to us here today. But Besides Vampire the... and Titus, <laughs> Jars of Cardinals. That's a good That's one. That's the fucking best song ever written. I thought uh, maybe I should cover it for you. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, that could be good for the, the Patreon exclusive song. Patreon.com slash Better Yet Podcast. Um, and you got a dog? Yeah. Is that right? I got a, a, a puppy, mixed breed, kind of a lab, maybe a little bit pit something in there i'm not sure but her name is birdie mm-hmm. and we just adopted her maybe three weeks ago now so i've been in album release mode and puppy training mode and it's been pretty fun is that good is that good she's is she going to the turlet outside she is yeah she's so obedient that it makes me sad sometimes i'm like I'm like you know you can break some rules birdie but so far she's she really listens so Fingers she, crossed that she stays that way. Yeah, she's she's aiming to please. She's aiming to please, and I'm sure she's going to get to like a teenage phase where she's aiming to re- rebel. But yeah, once she's settled in, she'll really push you to the limits. Yeah. Um. How how old did you say she is? She's maybe like 11 weeks old right now. Oh wow, she's little. She's little. She's going to get big, right? Yeah, I think she'll be like you know 40, 50 pounds. Damn. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm excited. Have you owned an adult? Uh, have you owned an adult? Uh, that's bad. Have you owned a dog as an adult? 
I have not. No, we had like a family dog as a kid, and then this is my first time. Dude, it's it, it's the best. I've, I've noticed uh, you loved dog fatherhood. And oh, are you a dog father again right now? Or yep, I got uh, I got Lily here, and we've got Hadley. Uh, Jay and I adopted Hadley when we were in Thailand in 2019. Oh and wow! Yeah, she's great. She's very, very spunky and and silly, and short and long. She's nice. good. She likes to splay out. That's her move. Love that. <laughs> Love that. And R.I.P. Chloe. Loved Chloe. Chloe, the best, the greatest. Um, Hadley. We brought Hadley home, and uh, Chloe and Hadley had a little bit of a crossover. And Chloe didn't get along with any other dogs, not even Lily, who is Jamie's dog. Um, and they were living together. We brought Hadley home, and Chloe greeted her very, very warmly. They got along for the weeks that they had together, and then Chloe left us, but she's still here. It's That's great. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's is she still physically there, or did you have an urn or something? I have her ashes. I spread them um, at a park in Chicago and a little bit in our new backyard. And I still, I still have some left over. They're on awesome. my right over, over yonder in the office. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And you're in, you're in Ventura, correct? Ventucky. Ventura. Yep. Yep. You know. Were you in? the pacific northwest at a time yep yeah i was in portland from like 2011 to 2017 oh okay so i guess around the time that we talked maybe right. you were i think i had just moved back down here to california to ventura okay uh, i kind of moved and then went on tour like immediately yeah and and we've got a new record there there that you made out and in Big Bear, which is San Bernardino, right? Right. It's like the mountains behind LA, more or less. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we have a... My great-grandparents had like a, a condo there at one of the ski resorts. There's like a couple small uh-huh. ski resorts. The one called Snow Summit in like the parking lot there. There's a bunch of townhomes. And, oh, wow. Uh, so we all it's still like in our greater family, you know, all the cousins and stuff switch mm-hmm. off going up there and not many people go in the summer. So we went up there and I, we had it for like two weeks and it was like me, Chris, Jake and milk and my partner, Morgan. And then a friend came up for a while and yeah, we just were like, okay, we're making our cabin in the woods, acoustic album, I guess, <laughs> you know, it was almost uh-huh. a cliche, <laughs> but I, it was a great time. Yeah. I that's, and it was in a town home. So yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want to give people cool like that with uh, like the shared the shared walls. That's yeah, the yeah. only reason I ask. No, yeah, um, it yeah, we never got a complaint, so that was cool. That's it cool. definitely helped that we were doing like acoustic guitars and stuff. It wasn't super rock band, so yeah. So that that's interesting to hear that it was all four of you out there tracking because the record it's so minimal that i i was thinking there was it might just be you and chris out there but totally for you yeah yeah 
it is uh for the most part actually a few songs i did everything myself when i got home there was a couple late additions to the album but uh yeah mostly the full band so we'll we'll circle back to there there because you have another record that came out a little over a year ago dark comedy performance piece of my life and i know that these are very different circumstances for recording between uh going a few hours east to a to a condo or a, a, a townhouse as opposed to going out to philadelphia and making that record with ian right right very different very different records too yes certainly so so how does it how does it happen with working uh with ian how does that come together uh well we've been friends with ian and jake and all the guys since modern baseball which is one of those bands you know we met super young and stayed friends Mm -hmm. and we always talked with ian about making a record in their studio in philly and i went and saw slaughter beach dog what was it summer 2018 i guess uh i think so fall yeah and uh you know, after a couple beers, it was like they were loading the van and we were hanging outside the venue. And then I was like, Ian, I got this record I want to make. Like, do you want to make a record together still? And he's like, dude, let's do it. And then, you know, <laughs> totally thought it was the conversation would stop there and we were kind of drunk and that was it. But Ian, sure enough, followed up like the next day, texting me like, let's do it. When do you want to come? Yeah. And then next thing you know, me and Chris flew out to Philly and ended up recording it for like a couple weeks and then not finishing and then I flew back to Philly for like a couple more weeks a few months later. So it was kind of a long, laborious, dragged out process to make that album. But in the end, we got it done. Yeah. So what, um, I guess when you're out there for the first two weeks and you're tracking, I mean, two weeks, that's a, that's a good amount of time. You, you figure that you're going to go out and have it close to done. I would assume, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, didn't expect it to take so long. Yeah. What, what was the uh, was the holdup? You know, that's a good question. I don't really know. Probably poor time management and lack of preparation. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because we were doing like 16-hour days. Um, a lot of it was probably I played everything except for the drums. So like I probably thought I had a lot of these parts fleshed out in my head and then we sit down and I'm like, oh, I actually for this verse, I have no idea what I should do. And then a lot of it Mm -hmm. was probably me and Ian kind of writing the music together from scratch. So that probably took up a lot of the time. Is that a common occurrence for you that you go in with um, an idea as opposed to it? being very very well established what you're gonna do yeah i think the common occurrence is i go in thinking i have something really well established and then once we're like under the mic and press record i realize quickly that oh wow i just had more of an abstract idea of of this i actually don't know what i'm about to do Uh, (laughs) that's that's probably more the common occurrence is just me fooling myself so that record in the song's said it and the zine made it explicit the zine that that you released along with the record 
But that's that's a breakup record. And I suppose it it's is, interesting. <laughs> it is. It's pretty on the nose about that too. <laughs> it's interesting, I think, to to visualize it and to to think of how those recording sessions go and tell me a little bit about uh about the because it's interesting listening to those songs uh the very relatable feeling of disconnect between two people and where they're at in their lives and we get one perspective and that perspective is kind of like yeah this is like different but things are good and then hitting you get hit with the oh things are not so good for this for the other side of this relationship totally yeah two two different people describing the same thing in two different ways yeah uh, uh, and on that side of the fence i feel like at the beginning of the album i'm definitely on the you know things aren't perfect but we're working it through i'm committed to this side of the fence and then mm-hmm. um as a listener of the album will find i was sort of the blindsided one but then quickly found the uh the closure and the acceptance of like oh no this is this is probably meant to be i'm i'm moving forward with my life you know mm-hmm. but not to play like a victim card or anything but <laughs> i was the uh the dumped not the dumpy on as far as the character on the album goes so is that does that uh explain the move to ventura from oregon is that what's going um, actually on actually the events on dark comedy happened right after the move oh great yeah Lovely. so the move the move kind of adds to the high drama you know Mm-hmm. god it's like when my uh high school uh girlfriend finally came to the same college that i was at and didn't take long gosh that's a thing huh <laughs> yeah it, it is it's such a thing you change the context and the environment and suddenly the chemicals don't interact in the same way mm-hmm mm-hmm so i guess like what 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 aspect of because you talked to about the the material being pretty close to home you think you were in your head when you were recording it or did did the time that elapsed in making that thing just come from the actual creating of it? Were you second guessing yourself a lot or were you just working? You know, I th- um, maybe second guessing. I think that both Ian and I were in not the most healthy uh, p- places in our lives at that point. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was like processing this uh, life situation breakup and move and everything and then trying to funnel it into this album which even while i was doing it i knew like wow this is so freaking embarrassing (laughs) and it's like do i really want to be putting myself on flack like this is this really that important and ian was just um you know on a less personal note just having like some back issues and like was not in a super good yeah that's super good place that week Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. as you had some health problems yourself i saw Mm mm-hmm yeah, if you're in pain, fucking, that's where your brain's at. Yeah, and yeah, I remember me and Ian like doing stretches on the studio floor and some yoga. Like uh-huh. the poor guy. I think I think I had caught him after he'd been in the studio working on records for months and months and months, and mm-hmm. he's a total, 
he just, once he gets into a project, he latches on like workaholic status, which is very admirable, but also, you know, you got to take some rest, some rest too. Yeah. And so sitting like this all day. Right. Uh On a computer and and no sunlight. And, um, but, and to his credit, you know, he pulled through for me. He loved the record. I know, but also just our friendship. He, he pulled through the pain and the, uh, just the overworked exhaustion to get this record done and good for me. And we Mm -hmm. pulled it off. It was sick. It was a, it was like a year long journey really going back and forth. And in the end we were both really stoked to accomplish it together. Yeah, dude, it came together so great. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. Like what musically wasn't working for you? Um, I know that's a broad question, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if anything wasn't working per se. It was just um, uh, just a slow trudging pace through it all, you know? There wasn't mm-hmm. really any... There was like a song we cut from the album, but just because we didn't think it totally fit. But yeah, I don't know. It wasn't that nothing wasn't working. It was more just took longer than expected, I guess. Mm-hmm. There, there are a few narrative threads on the record, and one of them is maybe I should give this up this being music and, and touring. I don't want to put you on the spot, but is that, is that something that comes up a lot for you? Um, for sure. But, uh, it's interesting in that I'm definitely like a defeatist, like always ready to say, fuck it. And just be like, I don't care this much. I'm done, you know? Um, which is maybe like a psychological defense sometimes to be able to just edit, hold the you know release valve so at any moment you can just quit but i guess i haven't yet but at the time that we first talked like gloom cruise there was actual i won't say buzz about our band but there was like a a booking agent wanted to book us a tour and like labels were talking to us and i was like oh wow for the first time i could picture us being something you know mm-hmm. and then for one reasons or another all these things don't totally pan out as happens to so many bands And so during dark comedy was a serious, like, screw this, you know, like, why am I trying to fight this uphill battle when I don't really, uh, like, I don't know, I don't really want to impress these people anyways, or, you know, like Mm -hmm. a real internal, like artist versus the businessman kind of internal struggle, if you will. Yeah. And like, I, you know, wanting to just go into the boonies and just make albums and never show them to anyone kind of drive versus the like, oh no, I need to be networking and like getting on the right shows, you know, and those two totally come head to head. Right. They still do in my life, but, and I think for there, there, I've definitely come full circle into like a synthesis of, yeah, I actually don't really care. And I've given up, <laughs> not in That's, a bad way, but right, in a, yeah, like yeah. just resigning myself to like, yeah, I don't, I don't need those big grandiose visions. I'd rather, and maybe this is my guided by voices phase. I'd rather kind of just like keep consistently doing the artwork and whatever happens uh, outside of that is cool. You know? Yeah. The guided by voices phase is fucking fantastic in, you can just make something, put it down, leave it alone. That's it. That's all it has to be. It could be forever, or you come back and you you find uh, something that really sticks. Um, right. But I, I like the way that you talk about on 
on both records, the kind of, it would be nice to be an indie darling. It would be nice to be, you know, almost like Dustin from Walter, etc. like even more just an attachment to your personality, which is something that is really an interesting development, I think, in just music and music press in general is the, and you talk about it very well on uh, This Machine Used to Kill Fascists, but the the music being a branch of one's personal brand as opposed to being a musician. Totally. Tot and where do you like draw the line between these different facets of your identity or, you know, mm -hmm. it's confusing. And where, do, where are you, Tim Crisp or Tim Crisp, the podcast guy? And where is the podcasts, your passion project, art for art's sake? And where is it? Oh, wow. I would love to, for this to be my living for the rest of my life, you know? And which, which side of those do you cater to? Because oftentimes you can't water both plants at once, if you will. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Um, it, it would be nice. That's Seinfeld. It would be nice. I'm not going to say that it wouldn't be nice. <laughs> I think that it, you know, it, it all kind of wraps up really interesting, uh, for dark comedy in, in particular. And this is something that always intrigues me with your records is the Walter being you and also being a, a character that you can refer to in a third person sense. And I think that what really intrigued me listening to this record and then listening to or reading the zine and you're talking about just the personal aspects of it. Um, you're, are you, is it, is it like over the top for me to think that like, well, maybe he could just pass it off as like the story of Walter, the continuing saga of Walter. It doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Um, I definitely understand what you're saying. I guess I'm not sure what the question is. You know what I mean? I it's, do that a lot. <laughs> is it? I will say that. Uh, so obviously I'm not like the first writer to ever create their protagonist that is oddly exactly like the writer themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I will say it's, I kind of just play that pawn as I need to. If it's like, oh no, that's Walter. That's not me. You know, I can pass right. anything off as that or... Um, you know, other times I, I'm just like, yeah, that, that it was my life or whatever. It's a blurred line between the two. Yeah. But I use it to my advantage, I guess. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you got all the ready-made defense mechanisms. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm just holed up in my little fictional Walter world, I guess. <laughs> um, as far as like, you know, the, the personal aspects of, of the record i think that you it's framed just so well in i bought you a blanket in mexico it's just that song is so brutal <laughs> <laughs> oh 
under two minutes like oh this is the best gift and <laughs> there it is that's uh walking nothing like walking home with a with a present and then a, we need to talk right right that definitely is like the climax of that album right there and that's, i'm glad you liked that one or you pointed out because i hate that song <laughs> it's just like i was like uh the song is one it's just uncomfortably raw and two it's just like it's just kind of a weird broken little song you know i guess i don't hate it at all but um it was definitely never my favorite and but i knew it was important from the overall narrative of that album like okay well i have to have the the breakup moment mm. and so that's the one frame it very sweetly too the guitar on there is just such a lovely sound and progression um i i do appreciate like the to me it kicks off like a a third act for the record and i think one of your one of your better runs of your musical career is just that i bought you a blanket in mexico punk with an x no more visitors cheer up walter just a fantastic four song run thank you i, I do think the better songs the better written songs are on the back half of that album or in that run too personally you got good singles up front though don't ever uh <laughs> don't ever take those for granted you write you always write good singles uh, which is well tough. jury's jury's out on that one tim i don't know how you define a good single because <laughs> i don't think i've ever had a single that did very well if i say it on here it's true it's that's true <laughs> that's true punk with an x that that seems like it, like i just love the form I love your delivery of it. it. It seems like something that maybe, like, is that a song that you wanted to write? Had you had an idea like that just in the back of your mind? Like, this would be a cool thing if I ever did it. Well, there's a, a good little story here in that, are you familiar with the song, I think it's 104 Degrees by Slaughter Beach Dog? Yeah. It's a Slaughter Beach Dog song on uh, EP. And he yeah. does the same talk singing thing, which is obviously none of us invented that and uh -huh. he, there's a specific cadence to it and so i start doing punk with an x one day i like went for this bike ride all pissed off about like just getting fucking dumped and stranded in this random town in california and then i just start like i whatever make the little demo and then i start talking over it and just like literally saying exactly what i did that day and then listen mm -hmm. back i'm like oh my god i'm literally just ripping off that slaughter beach dog song the cadence is you know it's not identical <laughs> like but right. it's, you know, the cadence is like clearly that song just sped up. And so I texted Jake and I was like, hey, Jake, I just wrote this song. Now I'm about to go record it in your own studio. And it's a direct ripoff of your song. Like, uh, is that cool? Do you want me to change this? And he responded with, oh, no, dude, I ripped my song off of so-and-so and they ripped it off of so-and-so. Like, he just like showed me this lineage. So I should ask Jake one day where he got it and where that band got it because it's just like whatever this cadence is is probably has like a family tree by now. Dude, so that's like, fucking fantastic. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool, Jake, because I'm flying over in like two weeks and I'll literally be singing that song into your own microphone. So I'm glad I have your approval. Um, and you, you ever hear the, uh, you ever listen to Galaxy 500? Um, a little bit, but not super familiar. He's got a good like song speak 
delivery mm-hmm. great song um on the their third album this is our music songs fourth of july i wrote a poem on a dog biscuit and your dog refused to eat it or your dog refused to look at it something like that i love that uh, i'm gonna look that up shit is so good that band three albums they're all very good um tim is there a term for the talk singing thing in like indie rock music and i don't know yeah there needs to be a word for it it's it's obviously a thing but whenever people describe it it's always in like a jumbled talk singing you know not really rapping but you know it just needs a one definitive word Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there probably is one i'm just naive yeah there probably is i love too the follow-up on on punk with an x no more visitors just the gay the shoegaze that's going on on that song it's really really pretty ah thank you yeah i was that was definitely intentional try to do a shoegaze vibe but with some some strings and stuff you maybe wouldn't hear in shoegaze music mm-hmm. make it who appear yeah, highbrow yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> who was uh who was playing the strings on those um the guy named kyle blessing in philly he was uh someone that ian knew ended up being mm-hmm. a a cool person and the w- next time i went back to philly he actually accompanied me playing strings for a song at a show Oh, that's awesome. Which was pretty cool. Actually, it was funny because we just like, he knew some of my old songs. And I was like, yeah, just play along. And uh, it it was pretty jammy, we'll say. <laughs> we did, yeah. we had not rehearsed anything, so it was pretty funny. <laughs> but it was good to do that. So you, you, you go through several several uh, rounds of, of putting the record together. I guess like when does it when does it feel good? When does it finally click into place for you that you know what? No, this is this is a good record. Well, you know, the honest answer is and this isn't about Ian or anything, just me, the answer is probably never. There's always <laughs> and not specifically that record, um, pretty much all my records never really feel like I did a good job completely or lived up to how good it could have been, you know, but that's probably mm-hmm. a symptom of the artist's perspective rather than the actual thing, you know, but it other, definitely is. other yeah. people tell me that it's some of my best songs and stuff like that. And so I just hold on hope for those. I'm like, all right, cool. You guys dig it. So I'm just going to consider it a success and keep looking forward. You put that out yourself too, I guess, with the knowledge that there's some uh, some people reaching out to you after Gloom Cruise. Um, tell me about the decision to put it out yourself, because I think Gloom Cruise was you, Lauren, and and Lamo, right? Totally, totally, and. Um... For Gloom Cruise, I actually denied a couple labels in a attempt or f- for the reason of like m- keeping the masters of my own music and working with friends labels and with an idea of like, oh, let's do this all together and reap the benefits ourselves. And then mm-hmm. to various levels of success, you know, in some ways that was awesome and in some ways it fell short. And now at Dark Comedy, I'm like, well, there's no big... L- there's no big offer on the table, 
you know, there really never was, but there's no medium size to big offer. There's like, do it mm-hmm. with my friends again or just do it myself. And I figured my old albums I did myself and I was very pleased with just, you know, maintaining control and reaping everything that they uh, brought in just straight back to the band. So I was kind of like, oh, let's go back to the basics and just keep it in house, you know? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really anything other than wanting to consolidate and keep it simple. Is, um, did that make it more difficult when you're having to go out to Philly twice and I guess, you know, putting a little bit more of a, of a hole financially was that, I guess that you have the, the benefit of not having to be like, fuck, uh, Aaron, I need more money. <laughs> I I don't even know if that's like how it goes with uh with y'all, but um yeah, when you're when you're the one that's like shit, now I gotta like put even sink even more into this uh record and I have to put it on myself. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I sunk a ton of money. Probably still recovering. But also mm-hmm. at the same time putting it out myself, I was able to like not that the um the digital streaming. It's not like, you know, we all know Spotify doesn't pay well, but selling the records, the LPs actually did really well for me. So I was able to like recoup a bunch of the money for the records pretty quickly, like with the pre-order. And then after Mm -hmm. that, everything I was making was kind of like paying off that studio time, um, which was, I had already paid Ian. So it was more just repaying myself, but so actually being able to put it out myself, I didn't have to wait or split everything with the label. So it kind of helped recoup and balance things out. And by the time we were putting there, there out, I, I think I've, I mean, I, you know, I don't keep super meticulous numbers, <laughs> so you can mm-hmm. probably guess, but I think I generally broke even slash made some money by the time we were putting there, there out. So that's great. As good as one Is could it, hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got people. I think that that's one of the very, very true things about your project is that I don't know too many casual fans of yours very grateful for that too yeah there's a is it go ahead oh yeah there's just a a strong i don't know relationship or whatever between the listeners and myself that is very nice is that a conversation that you have to have with aaron like hey i think i'm gonna do this myself you've been putting out records with lauren for a long time um yes and no aaron's like one of my best old friends, but at the same time, I don't think he was surprised or maybe he's not, uh, you know, the most, he's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. There's definitely no bad blood or anything. I think he knew that there's a certain amount of exposure and success Walter can have on Lauren records. And we'd kind of filled that out. And Mm -hmm. everyone who knows Lauren records already knows about the Walter band. And so there wasn't, there wasn't like much more push he could give us. And so I think he understands. Um, yeah. I think it was a, kind of a mutual understanding and he still helps me in so many ways and we're still always in contact. So it's not like it really doesn't feel like I ever left the label or anything like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. He's good people. Very good people. Um, and it's cool too, like to see, cause we don't have to get too far into this, but great 
timing on the release of that dark comedy album. Huh? <laughs> I know, At, right? And the end of March last year. Yeah, right. Right as everyone's like panicking and buying toilet paper, I'm like, new single. <laughs> <laughs> It was classic Walter timing, though, really. Like, I'm not surprised. I Honestly, there's got to be a little bit of levity that comes in with just the, like, you're stressing about, like, oh, God, like, people are going to know what these songs are about, shit like that, and then something comes. It's like, so nobody true. nobody gives a fuck about what I'm talking about. <laughs> honestly, it's so true. Yeah, it was. it brought a lot of weight off my shoulders. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is not all about me. People are literally freaking out right now about their lives this who cares about my album so that was nice on, mm-hmm. a, on a personal level maybe on a marketing you, level not very nice but right sure. <laughs> were you um doing the patreon before the the pandemic came in or, or i was you, yeah thankfully. how's that been going so good it's like the best part of uh the whole walter thing for me right now is i've had the patreon for like a year before the pandemic so I'd already mm-hmm. got some momentum and I got better at it. And then the pandemic hit and it was like a saving grace, as you know, like just having another yeah. income stream and having like a direct relationship with followers and, and uh, yeah, it was huge. And then with the release of the album, it only grew more and I feel like I kept getting better at it. So yeah, big, big Patreon fan over here. You keeping up on the content front. I think that's the challenge is like, something has to come out regularly right yeah that's Mm -hmm. um i i do constantly i wonder if you have this too i constantly have like a guilt of like i'm not doing enough thousand percent yeah Yeah. and i've expressed that to some friends and some patreon followers and everyone's just like no fuck that you do things at your own pace and like you're all like this is consistent this is great you're doing everything fine and like i just I hold on to that, you know, I'm like, okay, if you guys are into it still, then I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And people really don't drop off the Patreon very often. So I feel like that is the proof in the pudding a little bit, you know? Definitely. It's, it's tough to, cause I pledge to a few Patreons and I, I don't really interact much with the content. It's more just like, I love you. You're like here. that's exactly how i am on it too yeah right so i i try to remember that when it comes to putting stuff up there um but that can be really tough and it can especially when you don't like yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally you're like i i have a hard time believing that people like me enough to just give me a couple bucks every month for no reason you know or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. but so you're doing a good job I, I would say just the fact that you have any followers means that you're probably doing a pretty good job. Well, that's that's nice of you to say. And, that's and, what I tell myself, uh, at least. Y- well, <laughs> it's correct. You're doing a great job. Um, so they're there. Tell me, it had to be a trip to go and make music in that cabin. That's like been in your family for ever it was it was pretty special actually because not only was it for me but uh all three of them had been to the cabin themselves you know we'd go up to the snow like in high school and like party up there you know when we first got to go by Mm -hmm. ourselves so uh 
it was cool for everyone, I think, to like add one more memory to this little rinky dink old place. Yeah. It's it it does have that like you know, at least he didn't at least he didn't demo out there and then go into a studio. I think that's where the like the problem with the like stereotypical thing comes in. It's like that's where we went to write. We held up uh, held up there and wrote. Yeah. <laughs> like what does that even mean? You took a vacation, you wrote a couple songs. No, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Um but the what you made, it feels loose. Like there's a lot going on but a song like forest bathing you know there's a couple acoustics there's bass there's a kit but everything else is let's do something in the background let's do a little bit of whistling sounds like someone's just patting a rhythm on the back of an acoustic guitar totally i guess going back to like the like going in with a with a sort of abstract idea of what you're gonna do in this case that's great right Right. were you were you kind of like doing a lot of different exactly things like let's just see how this sounds totally exactly yeah like there wasn't uh i it wasn't the situation like gloom cruise or dark comedy where it's like we're in the studio for this set amount of time we're paying for this and we like we're using someone else's time, you know, it's like Ian or Jeff and Jack's time. So we better hurry up, complete this idea and like keep moving forward in the cabin. I mean, granted, we, we do have to like pay to be there, but there, we're not like on someone else's time, you know, we're on each other's time. So it was like, if we all want to spend some time fucking around and tapping on this random object or, you know, whatever, then it's worth it because we all just decided to. And then the album really reflects that. You know, there's a lot of just, I was talking to a friend yesterday actually, and he's just like, yeah, there's a lot of like squeaky chairs and things that I know you could have cut out. <laughs> and like, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's, that was kind of the vibe. It's like a real, just like, fuck it. It's going to sound like a home recorded record. Cause it is a home recorded record. Let's just leave that stuff yeah. in and like not think too much and, you know, let it be kind of organic and reflect this, this time up here and not try to make it sound like a studio album when it's not a studio album. Mm-hmm. It sounds fucking great. I think that the instincts on there are all very, very strong. You follow through with them and you add, you add so much, but it's just about being in the room. Totally. To the point where even, yeah, a lot of the stuff is mic'd with room mics. So you like literally just hear the room or sometimes you can hear bicycles going outside the window. Like it's a, it's very much about, yeah, just being there in that organic moment and just capturing that, which was nice to do because we hadn't gotten to do something along those lines since like Walter Mitty albums. You know, those mm-hmm. were the last real home recorded albums. So that was good. It felt close to home and natural. And just like you said, uh, instinctual or intuitive and in that maybe the instinct isn't like this genius, beautiful idea or something, but it's just like tapping into that source of the spontaneity and the the moment, if you will. Mm-hmm. It for better or worse have to be yeah yeah um you hit a chord in the chorus of of forest bathing uh it's you know better than us all you hit that you hit a you hit a weird chord there what's that chord? i have no idea <laughs> Fuck. i'm sorry all right you got it i could show you how to play it but i don't 
Uh, but I have no idea. I was just, maybe that, that serves my last point. Maybe I just, you know, I was just fiddling around on the guitar and wanted to make it sound different. Mm-hmm. Do, that's, do you like that chord? That's one of your best songs. I do See, like that Tim, chord a lot. I, I'm glad you like, if you like that song, that you actually are down with the album. Other people would be like, that song is so boring and kind of weird, you know? And then it's like, okay, well maybe, maybe dark comedy was the album for you or whatever. I don't know. But, are, are you getting that? Um, or is that, is that the straw man? That's the person in your head who's just like, eh, it ain't what it used to be. Uh, I don't know. This guy. It's... Why'd I ever bother with him anyway? <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of that out there. Uh, it's actually funny because it's not that, I don't think the album warrants that strong of emotions either way, you know, or maybe in some of the lyrics, but really musically it's pretty chill and like generally listenable. And, uh, but it's been getting the funniest. I mean, of course we're like a week out, so I really only hear from like a few followers and a few friends, but it's getting the funniest, like polarizing reactions. Maybe it's cause friends yeah. feel like they can be honest with me, but some, one friend, um, uh, for the sake of, I just won't say names, but, um, a, a friend we both know is like, do I know this friend? Yeah, you do. I'm sure he's oh, all come, like, come on, come on. I don't, I don't want to give people's opinions on flack here even though it was a good one. He's like, this is your best album by far. Like never thought you could make an album this good again or, or whatever, like top your other best albums or whatever. Super high praise. I'm like, Oh hell yeah. Okay. And then another friend's just like, dude, uh -huh. it sounds like a bunch of B sides. <laughs> and I'm like, how, how could I be getting such different reactions? And some friends are like, Oh, it's classic Walter. It sounds like you being yourself. And other, other people are like, wow, completely different vibe. I've never heard you sound like this. And I'm like, mm -hmm. which one is it? There's, it's hard to average all of these responses in my head, you know? Yeah. That's so funny. It's so funny. See when, when you set that up with the the mutual friend, I was assuming we were gonna get like a dude. This sucks. Right, and right. I would have wanted to know who was telling you that. <laughs> I don't. I don't care who's telling you. It's good. Um, but the esoterics on that song in particular, there's a great effect that happens on on forest bathing, where you're describing a scene that's out in the woods and then that line i can't breathe just like pulls you down and that's a really familiar feeling at this point of you know i think everybody can relate to the feeling of opening up your phone absent-mindedly and fuck it's like here we are um that's a really powerful juxtaposition. Again, not a question, um, but well, um, I'm I'm glad you like that part because I like that part too, and uh, mm -hmm. I can say a part of that was inspired by the George Floyd. Um, like right before we went into that uh, recording, that the you know the knee on the throat yelling, "I can't breathe." It definitely kind of went into that lyric specifically. It says it's it's mm -hmm. a deep ecology yelling, I can't breathe. There's too many knees on its throat to obey. Kind of, yeah, listening like a, uh, like almost we're suffocating our uh, connection to what is like natural and real. You know, we're so like caught up in our, um, you know, this is all going to sound a little cliche, so forgive me, but we're kind of caught up, caught up mm -hmm. in our human centered worlds and our human superficial problems um, and that are very temporary and like relate to our instant culture. And we're kind of like 
cutting ourselves off from any sort of universal, uh, you know, sense of connectedness and by being so, you know, maybe like that on our phones or being so uh, atrocious to one another, you know, you can take it many ways, but so that I can't breathe line. I'm, I'm glad it struck you because it, it was kind of trying to drive home that or trying to make a feeling out of that point of like suffocating ourselves from what, what mm-hmm. is sacred or what is good or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess what the, the notion of, of just thinking about sacredness, is that something that has been like a recent thing that you're thinking about or has it always been on your mind? I mean, especially just like the, with nature. Right. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of, I think it's kind of always been on my mind since I was young, like trying to kind of sift through the bullshit, if you will, and figure out what is at the core of reality. I struggle with these words because they all just make me sound like a stoner in a dorm room, you know, but you know what I mean? Yo, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. There's that line between being, you know, like, what if the one tiny atom in my fingernail was a whole universe sort of shit uh, versus last thing I want anybody to think is that I'm religious, but (laughs) how do I talk about these things without being one of those? Totally. Totally. And I, I think my relationship to the idea of searching for a truth or a sacredness is like in my, on our 2014 album, I was really into that idea, the album called well soon. And, Mm -hmm. um, that album is a very, like, I was very in like a postmodern mindset in that I was kind of like, oh, there is nothing sacred. Like life is meaningless. We all are just filling this void of meaninglessness with our own meaning and all of it has no consequence or no no substance to it. And on there there mm-hmm. there I'm kind of thinking about the same concepts, but I think it's and forgive me for this word, but I think it's a little bit more metamodern perspective kind of moving evolving past the postmodern meaninglessness into more of like a observing that it is meaninglessness maybe nothing is sacred and sacredness is just like this human concept we're trying to apply to things but seeing how my uh application of meaning has real life consequences for me and the people around me then i'm going to choose very intentionally what the meaning of sacredness is for me. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of what they're there is trying to like explore and define for myself, the sacred rather than just casting it off and saying, Oh, nothing sacred. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I think the prevalence of like postmodern irony, it become it, it forces such a huge detachment from anything that seems um you know like like you want to explore a further truth to it i think that we're like conditioned to think that we have that answer supplied to us you know Mm -hmm. so there's there's a death on this on this record is it all right if we talk about that tim you know nothing is off limits well 
it's always nice to ask. You that, know? No, you're right. That was polite of you. Yes, there was a, a death of a friend by his own hand. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, did you have a question? No, I, I was gonna, I was gonna let you go ahead, but I do have a question. Um, well, I was just going to elaborate and say, especially in the first song, wildflowers of America, I was experiencing that news and that, you know, what all the things that go along with that of a, of a friend passing and the events afterwards and stuff alongside at the same time as starting my new relationship with my partner, Morgan. And so mm. there's this kind of this balance of like, or this weird yin yang, if you will, of like new uh-huh. love and then like old friend dying and like this weird emotional cocktail that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a whole lot of fire. It was a lot of fodder. It was a lot of fodder, Tim. Yeah. I said fire, but also I... <laughs> fodder work. <laughs> fodder for the fire uh-huh. um what i found very relatable in in that song and it's something that you return to later on in the, in the record is the the expression of wanting to know what happened which is very tough because it feels like it's not your business but it's also extremely difficult to put it into a box in your in your head when you have this huge lingering like question of like well what actually happened here totally you that you explained my feeling exactly yeah and that and there's the a lyric that asks the question is it fucked up if i want to know how he did it you know Mm -hmm. and what do you what do you personally think tim like do you, you know, granted it's a, someone you were close to, it's not just any person. Do you mm-hmm. think you should know or have a right to know, or is it none of your business? Like, what do you think? It's really tough because I, you know, I remember a, a friend passing and, and he, uh, he killed himself and, uh, we all after the, the wake got together for drinks it was all old high school friends and a friend of mine asked so what happened and i was really thankful that he asked it though i don't think i i wouldn't have if some if somebody didn't because you do want to know right it's it's a hard question to ask yeah um I, I don't I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. Um right. We're I don't know, we're all just on this like thing trying to figure out like meaning and I think w- what's interesting about the what happened is how it just leads into what happens which is something that I think you're also kind of looking at in less direct terms, but that's where your mind seems to be on this record. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I, I, um, when the events happened in, in real life, in Dustin's life, not Walter life, uh-huh. uh, I had a, another friend who we we're y'all just like you said, high school buddies who had the exact opposite, uh, 
reaction than me where he's like, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. It's none of my business. I'd rather not know. And I was just, it drove me crazy. I was like, or not hit, not him, but just, I was like, how can you feel that way? I am so, I have to have this closure, you know, I have to know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just uh, yeah, weird. I never ha- even thought about, or never had those feelings or never thought about what is right or what is supposed to happen. But you're right. There's mm-hmm. no right answer. Eventually, to to uh, sum up the story, I actually went and met up with my friend's mom, the the deceased friend's mother, and we like went on a walk. And she ended up. I didn't even ask. She ended up just telling me so much, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. If anyone out there is listening and feeling like, you know, me or Tim, like they are curious and want that closure, for me, it actually I was really glad that I got to hear it all, and it gave me so much more understanding and closure about my friend and the situation. And um, to hear it from his mother was pretty gnarly, but uh, mm-hmm. it, I think she felt really good about it too. So I, I don't know if it's for everyone, but it, it worked for me. My my experience has been that part of, um, I think part of, of coping for parents is being able to talk to their the deceased's friends even if it's like god i'm just like thinking about the couple of instances in in my life where where it's happened and the parents just stood up in such great ways to really just be available and to like speak to all friends and i know that that was helpful for them too cuz it's like they also get to go through their own grief by talking about their kids right i i see that truth a lot in my situation too yeah it's got to be the worst thing and i i feel like most bad things are a little bit alleviated if you can talk about them with people in, in lots of different situations. So I think it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. It's, it's so important. It's, it's so, you just get to let the air out of the balloon. That's a good analogy. I like that. Man, I haven't been to therapy in a bit. Same. Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep up especially now. And you've got a lot going on. Well, we all got a lot going on, right? I didn't just move out of state, (laughs) but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I, I think that this is, it's a really great development in your writing because you're on the one hand, you're, doing a little bit more of like a limited instrumentation there's there's very few there's very little electricity on this record but the scope that you have and the questions that you're asking and the things that you're writing about and putting your perspective on and also the way you're opening up your perspective is really something that you want all of your favorite songwriters to do Oh, that's a that's a very nice compliment, Tim. 
I'm a big fan of the records you make. Well, thank you. Oh, that little sweet girl wants to say hi to her dad. Oh, you want to meet Birdie? Birdie, come here. Oh, Birdie. Oh. <laughs> she you having be, fun? She cannot be less impressed. <laughs> bye bye, Birdie. Hey, that's funny how that works good, out. Huh? Uh huh. Actually, another, um, another funny coincidence was the name Birdie was my partner Morgan's idea, but there's the Slaughter Beach Dog album, Birdie. I so was going to say, it's, your buddy uh, Jake. <laughs> another time that I'm just like riffing off Jake, man. I can't, it just comes so intuitively. I can't help it. Um, it's really great talking to you again. It's great talking to you, Tim. I, I appreciate you having me on and giving me not just a platform to promote my music, but just someone to talk to about it because, you know, there's not many times in life when you get to talk about your own music for an hour with someone else. Um, it's, it's a thrill when you get to talk to people that make shit that really sinks in with you and yours always has. Um, and I think like to, to go back to that, that question that like, you know, the nagging, uh, should I, should I quit this thing? I want to quit this thing. Don't, but always like, let that be a, a thing that motivates you. I like that. I like that. But You're what? good, Bubba. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me on. All Thank right, Bubba. Check out Dustin and Walter, etc. Online, WalterETC.bandcamp.com, WalterETC.com, betteryetpod.com, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. We will see you next week. Thank you, friends. if Tim's ever going to watch this part of the video. It's got a cool little, what is that, an office? Nice homemade bookshelf. Sweet little simple desk, probably from Ikea. Guitar rack. Got one acoustic, one bass. Capo. He's ready for it all. It's got the, the classic podcast mic, the Shure SM7B. He's got a great studio. He's got a great look. Here he comes. I wonder if he can hear me.
I don't Great think you can. Huh? <laughs> can you hear me right now? No, you can't. He'll discover that later. <laughs>